0: Welcome to Three Sisters in a Pod. It's Leanne, Stephanie and Courtney.
1: Hey. hey. So today we're going to do a murder document of 137 shots.
2: It's a show on or a documentary on Netflix. If you have not watched it, go watch it. Although, the link is
0: on our Facebook.
2: Yeah. Leanne's kind of a sissy about the movie. Yes,
0: I am. I cried.
2: It is it is very sad and disturbing and disgusting. Anyway, so I will start off with a story. So on November 29th of 2012 at 1034 p.m., Tim Russell and Melissa Williams were driving by the Justice Center in Cleveland, Ohio. As they drove by, his car backfired while he was slowing down. He had an old Chevy with an older carburetor that was not in tune. So when the car slowed down, it backfired. There just so happened to be an officer outside of the Justice Center who then called over the radio and said that he was shot at. Prior, right before this happened, these two were pulled over by an undercover cop in an undercover vehicle and no uniform on. While this officer was pulling them over, he said he could not tell what was in Melissa's hands. So he backed up and got back in his car. But in reality, they are not supposed to be pulling people over when they're undercover like that, at least not for a traffic stop. So right after that happened, they drove by the Justice Center. The car backfired. Officer Michael Brillo said he was fired upon over the radio. What happened after that is just chaos. Yeah, it was a
1: 23-mile, 23-minute chase. All through Cleveland, the highway, back through the city. And they said they hit a police car and they had followed them into a schoolyard. A schoolyard, yeah. And that's when they formed what they call like a fire uh, a
2: firing circle around the car. Let's also mention, before they circled around them, another officer because they had one over the radio saying that the passenger <clears throat>
1: turned around and pointed a gun out of the, uh, towards the back window. But then there was another officer that came across the radio that said that it was not a gun, it was a pop can, a red pop can.
2: That, as well as he said that Tim had black gloves on and he had his hands out the window asking them to stop. And he showed his hands, showing that he had no gun. And they continued this pursuit until they formed what they call a firing squad, firing circle around them, and fired 137 shots into this vehicle. During this chase, they had over
1: 62 cop cars in it, over 100 cops,
2: and they had three supervisors. And they were at speeds over 100 miles an hour through this chase even after an officer had come over the radio and said that they did not have a gun. And they still did not stop. So once they pulled him over in the schoolyard, two or three shots were fired. So then at that point, you know, uh, shots fired came over the radio. So then other officers obviously got scared. Didn't the car backfire when they stopped in the schoolyard and that's what started them shooting? No, they started shooting just because of the backfire. They assumed that that was a gunshot towards the justice system, towards this officer, Michael Brillo. So then they chased him to pull him over. Once they pulled him over, they supposedly still thought he had a gun on him. So they felt that they had grounds to shoot him. So as soon as they pulled up and formed that circle, that
1: fire circle, an officer let off. Two or three
2: shots. And then once that officer heard that, they all started shooting, and they thought Tim and Melissa were firing at them, but they really weren't. What was happening was all these cops were formed in a circle, so they were actually shooting at each other. Mm-hmm. They were not being and they shot at at all.
0: And not one officer was hit. That's what's crazy. Not one. Mm-mm.
1: They they said that the Timothy and Melissa had over 20,
0: was hit over 20 times. Yeah, that Michael Brelo got on the... um. The hood of the car and just let loose.
2: He fired 49 of the 137 shots.
0: Yeah, when he was on top of the car, he fired like 15 into the car. Mm-hmm.
2: And it wasn't even just like jumping on and firing. He jumped on the vehicle, pointed his gun <clears> down <throat> into the vehicle towards these two victims and shot them. Because he was scared for his life. He did say in an interview in the Netflix series, you can watch this for yourself. We are trying to keep this as much fact-based as possible. He, in the interview, said he feared for his life. There were also claims that while he was on top of the vehicle, he was yelling Semper Fi because he was a a Marine prior to being in law enforcement. And he said he did not say that. He never said that. And he he also stated he did not jump on the vehicle. He didn't remember it, yeah. I do not recall were his words, yes. After the incident had calmed down and these officers started being investigated a supervisor on duty her name is patricia coleman her exact words were that she would not change anything that happened the only thing she would change is that timothy should have stopped the car but her actions she would not change the actions of her officers she would also not change
1: yeah that james hummel he also went to the police union to you know tell him that it wasn't a gunshot it was you know they told him to keep his mouth shut because they had other interviews and witnesses, and they were still out looking for the gun, even though they knew it was there was not, no gun
2: they even even though they knew it was not a gun
0: yeah he was telling the bureau the Bureau of internal investigations yeah <clears throat> yeah it was <clears throat> they tried pretty hard to cover it all up
2: also the um this police union the president of the police union his name is steve loomis this man also had the audacity to say that these officers should continue doing everything that they've done because in the end it shows it it comes out that they didn't do anything wrong so that happened in november of 2012 so on november 22nd of 2014 there was a 12 year old boy his name is tamir rice he was playing at the park with a fake gun, which, no, he shouldn't have had, but besides the point, he was waving it around and a citizen called 911 and said, there's this young man with a gun, a fake gun. He did even say fake gun and waving it in the air. We need somebody to come down here. And the, op- the part that bothers me the most is the operator specifically said, is he black or white? I don't think that's relevant. He was a black little boy. The caller advised he was probably a ju- juvenile. The two officers arrived. And in the video, also in this documentary, they pull up into the grass right in front of Tamir, jump out, and immediately shoot him. No mm-hmm. questions asked. That no, put even your think hands they up. spoke at all. Nothing. They just <clears throat> jumped out and shot and killed this 12 year old boy. So at this point, obviously things are not looking great for the Cleveland Police Department. In 2014, they were then investigated by federal investigators and prosecutors. Because they have shown a pattern of, a pattern in practice of excessive force with little or no discipline, and still nothing has changed. I don't know if you guys seen this part or not, but the president of the union, Steve Loomis, also went to a school after Tamir Rice. Mm -hmm. I did see that. Yeah, his partner was, yeah. They sat there and tried to justify their actions. To the kids. To these kids. And then when a teacher had spoke up and said, the kids feel like it's an us-against-them situation, such as citizens against the officers, and he said, that's a false narrative. Mm -hmm. His words. Yeah, that's... It's not a false narrative if that's how people are feeling. You can't... You just... I don't know. You can't do that.
1: Mm
2: -mm. Mm. So on April sixth, two 2015, the micro-reload trial starts and it is specifically a judge trial the judge was judge john p o'donnell during the trial the prosecution tried to have all of the officers that were at the scene as witnesses
1: as hostile
2: the prosecutor timothy
1: mcginney is that who you're talking about yeah He wanted him to be
0: Hostile. treated as hostile witnesses because they didn't <clears throat> cooperate none of them would come and they had police officers lining the halls with well they their, all took
2: their fifth amendment well and that's the other thing is the prosecutor asked the judge to demand them to answer the questions mm-hmm. or face imprisonment right and the judge said no not doing that so every other officer walked in there with their lawyers, And they all pled the fifth. But that should show you right there, they know they were
1: wrong. They know they're guilty, and they don't want to put any information out there because they don't want it to be used against them. Mm -hmm. Because why else wouldn't you? Like,
2: that shit's crazy. There also, during the trial, um, an officer, Brian sabolik I'm probably not saying his name correctly, but he did come forward and um, stated that, Brilo did jump on the hood of the car and fired directly into the windshield of Russell's car. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So there was at least one officer that <clears throat> was a stand-up that cared about this case.
1: And mind you, supervisors aren't even supposed to be in those type of chases or even no, allowing it.
2: No. And this Patricia Coleman, why did you not sit here and think, why do we have over 60 vehicles chasing this one car?
1: And some of those dropped out after knowing it was just, it was
0: ridiculous. And once they said that it's just a pop can thing, that's when a bunch of them
2: got out of the chase. Due to this situation, 63 cops were temporarily suspended and six cops eventually were fired. Um, When the verdict of this case was being read, they had so many officers there. In riot gear because they didn't know how the the general public was going to react and unfortunately michael brillo was found not guilty on the charges of i think it was manslaughter two counts of manslaughter and was what he was
1: indicted on that steve loomis said mm-hmm. he said officers know the difference between a
0: backfire and gunshot. a gunshot clearly not Okay, well, I've heard cars backfire, and it does sound like a gunshot. Oh, I believe it. But
1: can, Michael Brillo
2: also said he could smell the gunpowder.
1: No, there was another Alan something. It's it was a different...
2: Okay, my bad. My apologies.
1: He was standing out there with um Alan something. I don't remember his last name, but he said you could almost smell
0: the, the gunpowder. Gun no. But he never found a gun. And, and his family said he never owned a gun. <laughs> And And the medical examiner
2: also said that there was no gun found in the car. They, uh, his sister Michelle,
1: she said that the union attorney was trying to say that they didn't have any family, they Mm -hmm. were homeless, and now all of a sudden the family wants to come out and get money, and she said he lived with her Mm -hmm. for nine years. Oh, no, no, for nine years. So clearly he wasn't homeless or no family.
2: Right. Well, and... The judge also stated during this verdict that because Michael Brillo was a previous Marine, and he said that this was worse than being in the middle of war during an ambush with gunfire and rockets and mortars and stuff. Okay. Me, on the outside, yes, I believe that would be an extremely scary situation. However, I would not be jumping on the top of a car in the middle of all this gunfire to be Um, shooting into a vehicle if i would i
0: mean if i thought they were firing back no and at what point was it enough gunshots Mm -hmm. how many times were you going to shoot in that car before you're like "Mm, he cannot be alive anymore right and why when you guys pulled up and you're in a circle around them didn't you say get out of the car with your hands up give them a chance to
2: get out of the car because he, he was known for overreacting, too. This Michael Brillo, yes. Many people stated that he was known for overreacting. And then the part that gets me is Michael Brelo was interviewed, and he said for the first three months of being out of jail, he slept on the couch with a thirty eight under his pillow because he was scared of retribution. Well. If you didn't do anything wrong, you wouldn't have been scared of retribution then. True. I guess to me. mm if I didn't feel like I was in the wrong, I wouldn't. I wouldn't be scared.
0: Well, I don't know. Some people's families.
2: I know, but I don't. I don't know, man. The whole case is it's. It should have never happened. It should have never happened. Period. Either I, one of them. Nobody Tamir deserves or,
0: that. No, they don't. And The Tamir thing is what messes me up.
1: His sister was there, seen it. Mm-hmm.
0: Seen it, yeah. She ran up trying to fight the officer to get to him. Uh, yeah, she tried to go to her brother, and the officer like just put her directly on the ground. Mm-hmm. See, I didn't like hone in on that. I didn't know <coughs> it was coming, otherwise I wouldn't have
2: watched it. You could hear her. It's sad. We no. somewhat traumatized Leanne with this episode. but
0: Yeah, if you guys would have told me there was a kid in there, I would have skipped that part or something. I can't watch things like that.
2: I can't either, but... I, I do highly recommend you go watch it. It is graphic. It is. There is a lot of information there, though. I mean, a lot of information. And it's not just opinion based. There is facts on the case. Most, and we just gave you all the facts for the majority, but it is still worth watching. It
1: is. It definitely is. It's sad, though. It is absolutely terrifying. Well, that is the end. Thanks for tuning in.
2: We will be back next week with you guys. We hope you have a good week. Bye. Peace out.